Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Monday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Year 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers Jihei Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing? You know what? It, it couldn't get any better than this, right, Arash? Can't even get any better. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Buckets, how are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you for asking. <laughs> Happy New Year to everybody, especially Russell Westbrook. What a performance last night. Nine turnovers. It looked like he was going for the world record. I thought he was going to get at least 15, but <laughs> what a Laker win. Yeah, listen, we will touch on the Lakers shortly, but it is the last Monday before going into the last Regular season Sunday in the league. A lot to get into. Again, the Super Bowl this year will be at SoFi. And going into the last Sunday of the regular season, we do have the Rams and the Chargers in the thick of things. And amazingly, the Rams do have a chance in this last game of the season to not only win the division, but perhaps clinch the number two seed. So let's go over this real quickly. Uh, The Rams defeat Baltimore. On Sunday, and we do have to get into the performance of one Matthew Stafford for the second week in a row, multiple turnovers, finding a way to come back and win. But it sets the stage for 125 kickoff at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. Rams, San Francisco 49ers. If the Rams win... They not only win the division, they clinch the number two seed, which at the very least means they will be home until they perhaps may have to go to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to play the Packers in the championship game. But in their way is the San Francisco 49ers who have defeated them the past five times that they have played each other. Kyle Shanahan has the number of his old friend Sean McVay. And they got to figure out a way to turn the tide on that. The Rams, by the way, despite the fact that they've lost the last five times to the 49ers, including getting blown out up there in Santa Clara on Monday Night Football this season, they open up as six-point favorites going into this last game of the season. Obviously, big game for San Francisco. If they win, they are in to the playoffs. And then 5.20 p.m., kickoff at Allegiant Stadium, the last Sunday night football game of the season. It'll be the Chargers versus the Las Vegas Raiders, both teams nine and seven. It is win or go home. It is essentially a playoff game to finish off the season. Again, big win for the Chargers yesterday, big win for both teams, but the Chargers in particular at SoFi. So listen, the Super Bowl is at SoFi this year. Both the Rams and the Chargers have a chance to be kind of in the thick of things. The Rams, obviously, more so than the uh, Chargers. But, Jihei, listen, when they made that trade for Matthew Stafford, and listen, he struggled, but they are now a Super Bowl contending team, according to, to Vegas. They are one of the five favorites going into this last Sunday of the season. The favorites are the um, the Chiefs and the Packers to play each other in the Super Bowl, but the Rams are in the thick of things. Your thoughts going into this last Sunday of the season? So I I will just say this. Stafford's performance has been abysmal, but 
Better than golf, guys. We all have to just remember that we did have golf last year, and it just was very heart wrenching. And you can't even imagine being in the in this spot, in this contending spot, without just solely depending on your defense. At least you still have your offense in the Los Angeles Rams, in Matthew Stafford, in dare I say it, OBJ, in in you know this MVP performance that Cooper Cup is giving us and has been able to give you before. You just haven't been able to see it um, until now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this matchup against the Niners. My only issue is that, you know, Sean McVay has always performed pretty ill against the Niners. So I'm a little scared, but six points? Yeah, That's I mean, they lot. must like uh, the Rams playing at home. I mean, the unique thing, again, is Sean McVay has been such an amazing coach during his time with the with the Rams, but against Kyle Shanahan in particular. Again, they were both on the same staff in Washington. He has not figured out a way to beat his old uh, friend, Kyle Shanahan, and they, he really does have to find a way to do that. Again, win the division, clinch that in the number two seed. And, Jihei, you touched on it. Again, we've, we've kind of knocked Jared Goff. Off, you know, um, I I actually was higher on golf than you were, but here's the issue with Matthew Stafford right now. The Rams have won five games in a row, and Stafford has been able to come back from poor starts these last two weeks. But here's the stats on Matthew Stafford: he has thrown 15 picks this season, and is that's his most in three years. But more so, four pick sixes, which ties him for a franchise record for the Rams. He has also turned the ball over at least twice, five times this year. Here's the problem. You cannot do that in the postseason. And and if they are to beat San Francisco on Sunday, again, win the, the division, clinch that, that two seed going into the playoffs, if this is going to be a Super Bowl team, Matthew Stafford has to play a, a clean game. He has to take care of the ball because, again, they've, they've found a way to come back and win these last two weeks. But why are you putting your team in a position where, again, pick six, pick Fumble, three turnovers in the first half. You can't do that. Yeah, I mean, you would also think that these turnovers are due to the O-line not being able to hold. That's not the case here. That's not the case. At all. That offensive line is killing it for him. Like, really, truly killing it for him. And he's just keeping that ball in his hands for God knows how long. So, And you would think, being a Detroit Lion and being on his back majority of his (laughs) career, that he would know to throw the ball quicker and make those quicker decisions. So that's kind of unsettling for me at this current moment in time. But you're right. I mean, he, he has had his moments where he's done really well for them and he has gotten rid of the ball. And he's the, also the Rams need to run it a lot more than they're running it right now. And the thing is, like, they are they are doing a good job of, you know, it, it's not like they can't run. Sony Michelle no. has played well. So I don't know. Listen, obviously, Sean McVay likes to pass the ball. We all know that. But. If you are run, if you are running the ball effectively, stick with that. That makes no sense. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate of run it till they stop it. Yeah, you know, and if you and also here's the other thing too. Cup gets open. I have no oh, clue yeah. how that man gets open. Sometimes it's just blatantly like just on the um, on the defensive, duh. But that kid can find a way to get open oh, in, in the middle of a winter storm. So I I just you know you have these weapons, you have these great weapons, and again. I think that they should just run it a little bit more. Not not a lot more, just a little bit more so then that way it frees up Cup even more so than it will. And OBJ at, at the same time too has been able to get open in these clutch in these clutch moments for them. So, yeah. I mean, there's no excuse. The Rams should win by 7 minimum. 
against the Niners. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. They, they just have to find a way to win. They, they have to find a way for, for the first time in three years that Kyle Shanahan has become the coach of San Francisco to win this game. So whether it's six, seven, one, they have to figure out a way to win that game. But you've touched on it. Cooper Cup, the season that he's having with the Rams, one of the greatest seasons for a wide receiver in league history. Again, Cooper Cup on Sunday will put the finishing touches on one of the top five seasons. Again, only three players in league history have led the league in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. You go through the list. It's Steve Smith back in 2005. Prior to that, Sterling Sharp in 1992. And prior to that, the first time it happened was Jerry Rice in 1990. I mean, Cooper Cup on Sunday will put his name in that list. Right now, currently, his 1,829 receiving yards is the most in a season in Rams franchise history. He has had 12 consecutive games with at least 90 receiving yards. That's the longest streak in league history since 1950. Again, he is so quiet. He doesn't want the headlines. But the season that he is having is quietly one of the greatest in league history. Again, putting him in the same conversation as Jerry Rice. It's incredible. And so if the Rams can figure out a way to win on Sunday, the reason that they've put themselves in the Super Bowl conversation is Cooper Cup. And so... uh, As poorly as Matthew Stafford has played at times, that connection of Stafford and Cup works. And I know Goff and Cup were close friends, but man, when you have a wide receiver like a Cooper Cup, what that does for you, what that does for your confidence and the ability to just, again, he finds a way to get open. These defenses know that they have to pinpoint Cooper Cup. They know where he is, but this guy finds a way to figure out a way to get open and uh, again, incredible season by Cooper Cup. Um, again, going through the Super Bowl, um, according to the sports books, the Kansas City Chiefs are right now plus 400, followed by the Green Bay Packers at plus 450, Tampa Bay at plus 600. The Bills and Rams are basically tied at plus 900. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. The Chargers, by the way, I mean, if you want to take a flyer, and they are still available at this number, they are plus 5,000. Again, they, they are not in the playoffs yet. They got to go to Las Vegas and win that game. But, man, I mean, listen, if the Chargers win that game, and right now they are favored by three, uh, Justin Herbert in the playoffs. I mean, I, I think anything is possible, and we've seen the way that they've played against the Chiefs. This season, the way that they played it against the Patriots. Again, they lost both of those games against the Chiefs and against the Patriots at SoFi Stadium. But if they can find a way to get into the playoffs, you got to like Herbert again. Plus 5,000, huge odds there, though. Yeah, I mean, you know I'm high on Herbert. I've been no, high on Herbert since his rookie year. So I, I would love to see him make the playoffs, go to, go to the playoffs and show the world what he can possibly do. My only issue with this team is that they're so inconsistent. Yeah. You can't, then, you can't go into Houston, for example, yeah. for 14-point favorites and blow that game. Because, again, if they, if they had beaten Houston last week, they're in the playoffs. We're not talking about this game on Sunday night as a must-win game, but that is, uh, listen, they are the Chargers still, and I, and I push back on that, you know, because I've, I've said that a lot this year, but... 
it's a different team because Brandon Staley is a different coach and Justin Herbert is a is in my view a transcendent quarterback I mean he has the ability to be the face of this league within a couple of years again when you look at the, the old guard of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady the next generation will be led in my view by Justin Herbert so this is not the same old Chargers, but they have found a way a few times this year to become the old Chargers. Now, we got to talk about our most frustrating team to watch this season. Listen, the Los Angeles Lakers, they have won back-to-back games. We have to give them some credit here. They have won three or four games. They are back to 500. But Armani Buckets, you touched on it. Russell Westbrook was looking like he was going to go for the turnover mark to begin the season because... Uh, it, 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 it's so frustrating watching him play because here's the thing. I thought he could perhaps at some point this season, when I say change his ways, I guess what I'm saying is blend in with this team. And the way that it just looks like he's, he's like, listen, this is the way I've played my entire life, whether it's at UCLA, whether it's with the Thunder, whether it's at Houston. Like when you look at what he's done in his career and he's a first ballot Hall of Fame player, I think in his view, is like, listen, I got to this point by doing what I do. And then not only that, when you got your teammates saying, hey, listen, we want you to be you. He can't be him for this team to reach their potential. And I don't think that they will reach their potential because I don't think you're going to see a player change. And so these pieces still don't fit. Okay, so I guess let's begin with the positives. They, they've won two straight. They've won three or four. They're a 500 team. We've kind of touched on this. If they're 500, I think that they are the five or six seed because, I mean, that's basically what it looks like will happen in the West. What did you see from them in that win last night? Last night's game was very interesting because – you look at it on paper, they won by five, they held off Minnesota for the majority of the game, but like you said, what stood out to me the most was the nine turnovers by Russell Westbrook and his inability to understand how much harm he's doing to the team. It's literally, it looks as if you take Russell off the court, the Lakers would win that game by 15 instead of five. Mm -hmm. That's how it feels like to me. And then the other thing that stands out is they're experimenting with this LeBron at center lineup, which is great, except the fact that they got out-rebounded by almost 30 against the Timberwolves last night, whose only big man is Nas Reed. And Nas Reed had a career night, 23-11, and and they let him just go off. So if you don't want to play Dwight Howard and you don't want to play DeAndre Jordan, which... I don't think DeAndre Jordan's ever going to play for the Lakers again. And Anthony Davis is out for another month. What's going to happen when you play real big men? No offense to Nas Reed, but he's a backup center. What's going to happen? You're going to get out-rebounded by 30. You're not going to beat teams like that. Another uh, positive was Malik Monk. Malik Monk was great, and it looks like the way I look at teams that are going to compete in the playoffs is how many guys do you have that can play in a playoff game. You need eight or nine. Right now, Monk is proving that he's won. LeBron, uh, Westbrook, Davis, that's four. And then after that, Carmelo is night in, night out. You don't know what you're going to get. No. And then now you look up and down the roster, I don't trust Avery Bradley. No. I don't trust... it. Trevor Ariza looks not that great. No. So what are we waiting on here? Kendrick Nunn, again, it's the same old thing. They're going to beat the average to mediocre teams, and then against the good teams, they're going to probably fall short. Well, yeah. and also to your point, Armand, like, 
you can't teach height. And when once they actually go against a true center, a true big man, no offense, they're screwed. Yeah. Uh, th- th- it's going to be a really huge uphill battle to get those boards to get to out, not even out rebound them, just to maybe even be on an equivocant level with them. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's I think that's the main struggle, really. Um, turnovers be damned. Like you can, you know, you can always. I don't want to say bench Westbrook because you're not going to do that, especially all the money that you're giving him. Yeah. Uh, but you, there's only so much that you can possibly do. So I, I think. The, this problem goes beyond, you know, maybe even just that center position. But it's really incredible the way LeBron is playing d- during this run. I mean, you go to the last game they had in 2021 on New Year's Eve at the uh, Crypto.com Arena, 139-106. I mean, the Lakers really for the first time this season blowing away a team like like, like this. And I know it's Portland, but still, I mean, they, it doesn't matter with this team. I mean, they, they they've had... Uh, not that many blowouts, and they played some of the worst teams in the league. And LeBron, 43 points that night. Again, the stretch of games he's put together, uh, it's one of the best seven-game stretches of his career. But the problem is, you know, during that stretch, they were two and five. LeBron at center. Is this a short-term fix? Can this be something that they lean on to change things up? I think it works, except if you can't rebound the ball, then it doesn't work, right? Yeah. Because they do good things when he's at center. And also, Stanley Johnson is is a real guy for them. I don't know if he can play in a playoff setting. Again, it, it, sample size needs to be larger. But he does good things. He, he, he competes his butt off on the defensive end, and he makes all those little hustle plays. Um, but the lineup with LeBron at center, I want it to work. It's just that if you're going to get out-rebounded like that, then then I would say no. Now, the upcoming schedule, the next three games this week, all at home, all winnable games, Sacramento, Atlanta, Memphis. I mean, what's the goal there? I mean, should it be 2-1 and one above 500? Yeah. Atlanta and Memphis are good. Sacramento, not so much. If the Lakers have turned a corner here, I would think that an above 500 week is in order at the very least. Yeah, and, and we touched on uh, these projections, right? 538, uh, basketball reference. ESPN's updated projections are now closer to what I believe will happen. They've shifted somewhat. They are projecting the Lakers to finish 41 and 41, okay. 500 with a 62.6% chance to make the the playoffs. I agree with that because I still go back to what you said throughout this season. And listen, you were 100% right. The West from top to bottom is not that great where the Lakers at 41 and 45, sorry, 41 and 41 can not only make the playoffs, but they can avoid that play in uh, tournament. Like at 41 and 44, 41 and 41, 500. They could potentially be that five or six seed. And the key there with being that seed is they would not be favored. But I think going up against the Grizzlies or the Jazz, that is a winnable series for them potentially. I agree with that. I think that especially against Memphis, Utah, they play a style. I I think Utah would actually beat the Lakers. I think it would be close. Yeah. But yeah. if you get into that 5-6 range, anything can really happen in the playoffs, as we saw last year. You've said this multiple times, and I agree with it. If Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt, they probably beat the Phoenix Suns. So the playoffs 
anything can really happen when you have that much talent. The goal for the Lakers has to be finding which role players, which guys can play alongside Westbrook, LeBron, and Davis. And right now, the answer is not many, but I mean, the ones that do play well are showing that they're getting more and more comfortable. The Malik Monks of the world, the Stanley Johnson. So we'll see what happens. Um, We do have some exciting news for this new year. We have a hotline. For the first time, we not only have email, we have a hotline for you to call in if you want to leave a message, if you have an opinion, if you have something to complain about, hot take, whatnot. The number is 310-400-0340. The number again, 310-400-0340. And beginning tomorrow, and certainly this week, we will play your hot takes, opinions, and things like that. We will repeat the number again in the second segment. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Lakers, the Clippers, how they've done, also the Rams and the Chargers. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio, the all-new and Mightier 1090 AM. You're listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. When we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, Jihei, exciting times for us on the show not only can you email us, but we have a hotline, hotline bling, as Drake would say. Um, how can the fine listeners of the show contact us in 2022? That's right, you guys. Again, like Arash said earlier, two seconds ago, you can email us at Show at gmail.com, but you can also call us on this hot heezy. Um, <laughs> it's... The phone number is 310-400-0340. Again, that number is 310-400-0340. And again, you can email us at show at gmail.com. That is all lowercase A-R-A-S-H-M-A-R-K-A-Z-I-S-H-O-W for those that don't have spell check or rely on spell check, I guess. Um, Leads us to our first question, guys. Also, please leave us comments, um, yeah. likes, dislikes. I mean, I obviously love the likes as opposed to the dislikes, but <laughs> you know, if you want to, if you want to complain, that's sure, fine too. I'm, I'm down. Whatever. I can take the criticism. I'm a big girl. Um, again, leads us to our first question from Danny Theo from Laguna Niguel, who asks: With Sean McVay's given record against Kyle Shanahan, what do the Rams need to do in order to finally break this curse? Listen, we touched on it in the first segment. They need to be able to run the ball. They need to be able to continue to pass the ball to Cooper Cup. But they, they got to establish the run, which they have. They've run the ball extremely well. Continue that. You don't have to go away from the run. I know Sean McVay loves to pass the ball. But be aggressive. Control the line of scrimmage. You can't turn the ball over again. We also touched on that with Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, you can't turn the ball over again against Baltimore. 
two picks, one fumble. You know, it is really hard to come back from a three turnover game. They've done it the last two weeks. You don't want to do that again on Sunday. And you got to imagine, you know, obviously the Rams and Sean McVay have a ton of pride. They don't want to lose six straight, three consecutive years of losing to San Francisco. So you got blown out by the 49ers up there on Monday Night Football. If they can figure out a way to win, if they can beat San Francisco for the first time, uh, you know, again, since Kyle Shanahan was named the coach, you win the division, you get the number two seed, you stay at home for as long as you possibly can, which which would mean if they go all the way to the Super Bowl, if, if you know, listen, if they don't have to play the Packers, they, they can stay at home the entire way. The only time that they would have to leave is if there's a conference championship game against the Packers. So, I mean, just get not only to win the division, but get that number two seed is so crucial for them. Run the ball. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah, I agree. Run the ball. Don't turn the ball over. Keep the defense on their toes, right? I mean, switching it up is fine, too. But I think switching it up means to run the ball because Rams haven't really run the ball as frequently as I think that they should. Um, also, stop being so dependent on the D, guys. I, I mean, I, I love the defense. I get it. They're great. They the star, as my mom <laughs> would say. But you got to stop depending on them. And I think this Rams organization, prior to Sean McVay and currently in under Sean McVay's um, tutelage, it has just depended on defense so much. And I just think that this is something that needs to flip over. I, I might get a lot of pushback from this, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, don't depend on the D as much. I mean, if they're out there busting their hump, it's they're just going to get even more tired. So, offense, keep holding on to the ball. I mean, make quicker decisions as well, maybe. That would be, that would be very helpful. Uh, but, yeah, run the ball. Yeah. Uh, Got to establish that run game for sure. And uh, help out your own line, man. Help out your own line. I got to listen, like our money buckets really doesn't care about the National Football League because he is a recovering a Chicago Bears fan. We need him to chime in, though. I mean, come on. Uh, would, have you even been keeping up with the Rams or the football? You know, I, I, again, you are a recovering Chicago Bears fan. So your thoughts generally, I guess, on the Rams. Hey, you should be psyched. You beat my Giants. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I don't know if that's an accomplishment or not, but you beat my G-Men. So I did watch a little bit of the NFL yesterday. Um and the Rams thing for me, again, as a recovering Chicago Bears fan, I never was scared of Matthew Stafford. I was expecting and waiting for him as a Detroit Lion to always, when is the turnover going to happen that's going to win us the football game? And there was numerous occasions where that happened. And yesterday watching, again, you guys mentioned this in segment one, Stafford did it again. Now, again, it's the good and bad with Matthew Stafford. Then he goes and wins the game for them. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know if I can trust him in a big moment. In fact, I would say that I I can't. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he has those moments where you're like, like you were saying, Jihei, Jared Goff doesn't do that. So it's like you have to take the good with the bad, and just if you're a Rams fan, hope that there's more good than bad. With that being said, um, when it comes to the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, from what I've seen look like the team to beat. And I know that that's kind of an obvious statement as they're the one seed, but 8-0 at home, they look extremely dominant. And now the, the road to the to the Super Bowl is going to probably go through Lambeau. I think they locked in the number one seed. Yeah. Yeah, they have. So, so there you go. So it goes through Lambeau, and then it's just, it's very hard to win in that stadium. But 
they've done this before where they've been the one seed with Aaron Rodgers and then they find a way to choke a game at home in the playoffs. So if I had to pick, I would say the Packers. But yeah. Stafford, sense. yeah, I, it's tough. I, I don't fully trust him in that setting. Yeah, and like I said again, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's going to be an uphill battle uh, quarterback-wise for the Rams. But he's better than golf, man. Yeah. I'm is. just, you know. But here's the thing. I mean, I, I guess here's why I, I think some Rams fans, that I don't know what percentage, I think their thing is, of course he's better than golf. But you traded golf two first round picks and a third round pick. I mean, how much he is slightly better, more, I mean, I, but here's what I, I will agree with you. The upside, far greater. Again, he does have these moments with the pick sixes or the turnovers, but the upside, as we've seen the last two weeks in the comeback wins, he can lead this team. And look at what he's doing with Cooper Cup right now. Yeah. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he, you know, granted, Cooper Cup is doing doing work, and he's he's the one that's getting open, and he's the one that's catching those balls. But at the same time, there's that connection between those two that you didn't have with Jared Goff. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah. What was going on between uh, that fight um, on the defense between Jalen Ramsey and uh, Rapp? Yeah, that was- I, so they neither player touched on it post-game. I, I don't know whether they were not available to the media, but um, again, that happened in the first quarter. They obviously recovered and found a way to close out and win. But, I mean, that happens from time to time. Not ideal. You don't want one player hitting another player in the huddle, but... Yeah, but I mean, like this is this is something that happens on the regular. I think like we just don't see it during the season, right? Out in the open. I think that um, early on, also in preseason, there's yeah. a lot of fights in in between and that just don't get reported and they don't you don't see it. Um, but it happens. I mean, this is also what happens when you work within close proximity of somebody and you're yeah. constantly with this, these people. I'm sure that they frustrate you. You know, I've no. I've never had a, a work situation where I haven't been frustrated with somebody where I have to be like, look, dude, we got to we gotta talk off to the side and like sure. figure our stuff out before I, you know, really go <laughs> into you. So, yeah. So I think, you know, just close proximity, being around each other 24-7. I mean, they're around them more than they're around their families and their wives. So, oh, yeah. you know, you just, you got to figure it out, you know, blow off some steam, do whatever you got to do, and then just move on and, and get back to work. Thank you so much, Danny Theo, for that question. We're going to move forward to Sam Cooper from Hawthorne, who asks, the Lakers are 500 right now. If you had to pick, who would be your NBA Finals team right now? Um, I'm going to go Warriors, Milwaukee, Bucks. I don't know, whether Brooklyn or Milwaukee. You know what? I'm going to go with Brooklyn, only because Kyrie's coming back. And I'm hoping at some point, you know, he's a more permanent part of the team, which means I guess he has to get the vaccine. But anyways, he's going to return apparently Wednesday. So I'm going to, for right now, I'm going to go Brooklyn and uh, the Warriors, which would be fun because you would have KD versus the Warriors. You'd have the Curry, KD, um, you know, kind of subplot there. But, you know, at the beginning of the question, you touched on it. The the Lakers are 500 right now. I think they have the ability to finish the season above 500 or around 500, putting them in that kind of fifth playoff seed, perhaps sixth. The key there is if they're five or six, they don't have to play in the play-in tournament. And they would have, in my view, they wouldn't be favored, obviously. But I do think that they have a chance to perhaps beat Memphis or Utah, just in terms of this Lakers team. The only positive that I can say is that if they were to make the playoffs, this team is not built for a 
a long haul during the regular season. They are built for small seven-game series, and so... Um, Again, I don't have them going to the finals. My finals pick, I'm going to pick the Golden State Warriors to defeat the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I, I'm hurt by that, Arash, because <laughs> you, you mentioned the two East teams, which I, I understand, and not even a peep about the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I don't got that them hurts in the me. finals. <laughs> DeMar DeRozan is playing out of his mind. Yes. But with that being said, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think <laughs> the, the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors. But, you know... With that being said, the East between the Bulls, the Bucks, and and my and Miami, and maybe even this is going to be kind of down the line, but Atlanta, I still believe in. They made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They haven't been healthy at all. I think that the East is much more up for grabs than the West. I think that oh, yeah. I could see five, six teams winning the East, and in the West, to me, it's between the Warriors, Phoenix. I can't really see Utah winning the West. And then, again, if the Clippers can get healthy, I really think that they're right up there. Well, that's the amazing thing. I mean, if the Clippers are, I mean, and, and, and they will get healthy, perhaps. I mean, the, the big question, obviously, is, that, you know, if, if they're in that playoff hunt, if they're the fifth seed, for example, you know, would Kawhi come back? I think at that point, it's like, hey, listen, if Kawhi can play and Kawhi is back, you got Paul George. I mean, that, that, that team certainly has a chance. Uh, but, yes, I do have to give your guys some credit right now as we sit here today. On a Monday, the Chicago Bulls are in sole possession of the number one seed in the Eastern Conference at 24 and 10, followed by the Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Miami Heat. So, yes, kudos to your Chicago Bulls. I mean, I, here's the thing we haven't even hit All Star break yet. So, right, we have to maybe <laughs> wait until that happens and then go on from there. Um, so, we're. I think we might be putting the cart before the horse when it comes to your Bulls. I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm not saying they're not great. I'm not saying that they're not championship worthy. I'm just saying let's maybe pump the brakes a little bit until All-Star break and then um, maybe make your assessment. But if I, and again, if I had to, considering this is what the question is, if I had to pick right now, I'm going Brooklyn versus Phoenix. And I'll tell you why I say Brooklyn versus Phoenix. Brooklyn, I think, is just an obvious answer, you know, especially if you have all three um, of their stars healthy and playing on a consistent basis, even though you have Kyrie in that COVID protocol and he has to, you know, test 8 million times a day and he can't play at home and things like that. You still have two stars, you know, playing for you um, when they're healthy. And so, but with Phoenix, I think this is a revenge thing. They saw where they could be. They saw where they were last season and they're going to be hungry. And for sure, Booker's hungry. And on top of it, you have a true center in um, Aiton who you can't teach height. Man, like that's just the one thing. Like, I will always be grateful for Shaq with the Lakers. I'll always be grateful for Zoo. You know, like an actual pure big guy down there that's going to help you rebound and get those boards. So, I love your optimism, though, um, Armand, about the Clippers, about them possibly even still if they get anybody, if they get everybody back and they get, you know, Paul George back and um, just all of their stars back and that we can possibly contend. I think that playoffs are eminent right if you get all of those guys back but i don't know about a championship team i would l i i'm just erring on the side of caution when it comes to something like that um sam cooper thank you so much for that question um we're flying through these actually i didn't think we would um we're gonna move forward to matthew reese from culver city who asks what were your thoughts on the rose bowl and the rose parade if you saw it you know the rose parade i just tune in in the morning just to see 
you know, the first few floats. I mean, I am not a big two-hour rose parade person. I've gone to the parade one time. You get to wake up way too early. It's way too cold. And generally speaking, you know, you have a good time the night before. So... Uh, parade, you know, I kind of put that on in the background. The Rose Bowl game itself was fantastic. I mean, it was so weird last year where they probably should have just canceled the game. But anyways, it was a semifinal, I, I believe. And so um, the, for, for the game last year to be in Texas was just a weird one. Uh, so happy that the Rose Bowl game was back in Pasadena. And it was a classic. It was one of those games that you, you kind of... Dream about uh, seeing 48-45 to 45, Ohio State coming back uh, to, de- to defeat Utah. Kind of feel bad for Utah there. I mean, all those fans came for that game. I mean, this was such a big moment for them. Uh, but loved it. Loved to see C.J. Stroud come back home, have the kind of game that he had. And just, uh, again, a fun comeback win. It's weird with the college football playoff, the way it's set up is, you know, these bowl games don't mean as much as I think that they used to in years gone by, where effectively the majority of the focus around the country is on the two semifinal games and then on Monday's championship game. But again, as someone who obviously grew up here, this game still means a lot to me and so many people around the country, but a a classic game. So enjoyed it. And uh, again, glad to see it back home. Quick question for you before I answer this. How old were you when you went to see the Rose Parade? I was in college, you know, because USC played Michigan, and I kind of wanted to have that whole Rose Bowl experience. So I uh, went to the parade, and then I went to the game. I think my parents took me to see the floats. So what they do after the parade is they park the floats out. So I think I I saw that when I was like 10 or something like that. But the parade itself is just, again, it's just such a uh, process. And uh, so, um, again, just did that the one time. Because I have a different experience. Yeah. Because I saw the Rose Parade when I was a kid. Yeah. So um, our church, they all got together and we're like, we're going to um, camp out the night oh, before, wow. which I think a lot of um, families and whatever they do because it's New Year's and they're like, okay, you guys can stay up because it's New Year's Eve, whatever. So you stay up until midnight and then obviously go to, go to sleep and then wake up in the morning um, right before the Rose Parade starts. And so that experience for me was great because I was a kid, yeah. right? If I had done that as an adult, I probably would be complaining right now because it, you're right, it is cold in Pasadena. It's very, you know, it's not comfortable to sit there and wake up that early to get to a parade that is going to be over in two hours. So um, I had a different experience. And by the way, shout out to Lisa Gibbons. She looks incredible. Yeah. Incredible. That And that woman has been doing that parade, commentating on that parade for Ever, for as long as I can remember. So, uh, shout out to Lisa Gibbons. I'm kind of shouting at a ghost because she doesn't know who I am, but I think that no. she looks amazing. Um, as far as my thoughts on the Rose Bowl, the actual Rose Bowl, what, it was entertaining. It was fantastic. It was extremely entertaining. I mean, I thought Utah was going to just blow them out of the water. It looked like it in the first half. Yeah, and then the second half comes and what? They scored 10 points, I yeah, think. Yeah, so, yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, good, good on, you know, uh, Ohio State. And the Ohio State um, for coming out and, I guess, performing the way that they performed. Armani, did you watch the parade or the game? I did not see <laughs> either, unfortunately. No, but I did see, um, you know, Alabama and Georgia. So that was, you know, well, that was so they, they will meet up in a rematch effectively of the uh, conference championship. They will meet up in the national championship Monday. By the way, real, real quick, because uh, we didn't 
touch on this. So Frank Vogel missed all those games because he was in health and safety protocol. During that time, David Fisdale was the coach of the team. Now David Fisdale is in health and safety protocol. So, I mean, this, this, um, this uh, Omicron variant, I think the entire league will have it at some point. It yeah, I mean, like. I, I feel like this is the one variant that everybody's going to be getting, Yeah, right? This is, this is not going to... Uh, this isn't going to discriminate no. on who you are. No. So um, thank you so much, you guys. Um, everybody, Bernie, or sorry, not Bernie. We didn't get to your question. Sorry, Bernie. Um, <laughs> Matthew, Sam, and uh, Danny, thank you so much for those questions. Again, you can email us at show at gmail.com or hit us up on our new hotline, guys. Starting tomorrow, we will be looking at that new hotline. Uh, and that number is 310-400-0340. Give us all of your questions, comments, concerns, all that good stuff. Um, again, thank you so much for consistently sending us emails we, that we try to get to. Um, Arash, we haven't done this in forever. Yes. But it is time for cut, start, or bench. Armand, we're going to just throw you in the fire. You're going to be first <laughs> up. Who would you cut, start, or bench? Mr. Michael, the Michael Jordan, Mr. Steph Curry, wow. or Mr. LeBron James? Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> They're not easy. They're not easy. I'm going to bench LeBron, cut Steph, and start MJ. Yeah, I, I mean, the, that it's a very hard question, but I have to agree with that one. I mean, listen, you talk about the GOAT, right? You talk about Michael Jordan, and I think by the, by the time he retires, LeBron James will be right there. And I, and I never thought anyone would pass Kareem for the most points. LeBron will pass, and it could be as soon as next season. Incredible. You know what, though? Curry still has that, that magic, man, so I'm going to start... Mr. Michael Jordan, even though I know I'm a dookie, and I, this is like sacrilege, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm going to start Mr. Michael Jordan. I'm going to bench Mr. Curry. I'm going to cut LeBron. Wow. No haters out there. <laughs> wow. Stop. Don't hate. I just, I love Curry, man. He just, he has something. I love Curry too, but just, I mean, when you look at the career LeBron's going to put together, and he actually finally admitted, because people have been talking about it for years, his goal before he retires to play alongside his son, Bronny, whether it's on the same team or against him. He wants to share the court with his son, Bronny. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.